welcome to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Atlanta. And I'm Jeremiah in Sacramento. What recipes do you have that are available that you think... I really would love for people to make this. It's very special and needs to be seen. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to go with one that is on currently on my website and then one that's forthcoming from my book. Um, the one that's on the website is um, a Portuguese meringue flan. And um, this, is, this is an awesome recipe. Um, it's easy and it's great if you're leftover with a bucket of egg whites from some doing something with a lot of egg yolks as most Portuguese bakers are. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) you make a really, really nice stable um, French meringue and then you pour that into a caramel lined tube pan. You could also probably do it in another type of pan. And then that gets baked in a water bath in the oven, which is, that's very unusual, right? Mm -hmm. And it, puffs up into the most cloud-like gorgeous texture and you unmold it and the caramel's dripping down. Um, some traditional garnishes are like an egg yolk cream or sliced almonds, but now I've been doing really acidic fruits. Like Ooh, I love that. Um, raspberries, strawberries, because the meringue is, is quite sweet and the caramel, you know, so whatever counterpoint you or cocoa nibs sometimes also serve it with cocoa nibs because they're so bitter people love it but it's truly like eating a cloud it's really soft really it's it's a lovely lovely dessert so i it's called budim molotov or meringue flan and then the one that's forthcoming in my book that i fell in love with on my recent trip to portugal was um boundalol de ovar which is a type of sponge cake from the center of portugal and this type of sponge cake is baked through, well, sponge cake is baked through the, all over through the country. It's the oldest recipe probably in the dessert, their dessert history, because it's just eggs, sugar, and flour, only three ingredients. And it's just all the variations come from the manipulations of those three ingredients. Well, in Ovar, they beat, I think it would, I would say it's probably 80, 90% egg yolks to probably 10, 15% egg whites. So that's sort of the ratio, mostly yolks with sugar and they beat that for over 20 minutes in a high powered mixer. So it creates the most voluminous, you know, sponge cake batter. I mean, it's beautifully light and they pour that into paper lined terracotta um, baking vessels and that goes into the oven. And then it becomes this very technical game of getting half of it to bake into the most light, delicate sponge and the other half to bake until it's 176 degrees Fahrenheit. And that is the temperature you want for a perfect creme anglaise. So you've got- Interesting. Yes. You've got like like a perfect custard top to on top of a sponge cake. And the top, very, very top caramelizes just gently. So as you, you know, your fork digs in, you get like this slight crunch, then the oozing cream, and then like, Oh, it's like cotton candy that the, the texture of the sponge cake is like cotton candy. So, wow. Ugh. Yeah. And so it's so simple. Of course, it doesn't look artistic at all. You know, there's no garnishes, but it is pure heaven. And the, the eggs they use there, the chickens are fed with um, 
um, I think yellow corn so that the yolks are bright orange. I'm not, it's not even, there's not even, not even close to being yellow. It is bright orange. The cakes are like this vivid, like, like orange, like citrus orange color. Um, and that, that, so that cake, I'm the way I'm going to do it for my book is I'm going to, um, have you line a, fl- a clay flower pot with paper. So, so you, fun. Yeah, you <laughs> like order some crazy pot from Portugal. Um, and then, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be in the book, of course. And I think that'll be my favorite recipe to share as of now. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. It's funny you said that about the color. Cause I remember seeing in your stories, you know, when you were there and seeing it come out and it was such a bold color and I had no idea that was purely from the eggs. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, I'm dying to know from your website, what would you like people to try? Because you have an, a huge catalog of recipes. It's like growing more rapidly than I yeah. mean for it to. Cause I just, I always think, oh, I should save these. And then when I want to do a book, I'll, you know, have like all this new stuff, but I get so excited. I'm like, I got to put it on there. People need to make this. So yeah. it's always like the newest one that I'm most excited about, but a lot of people have made the chocolate cake. I'm really, really happy with how much people love it. And it's really delicious. If you are on the hunt for your perfect chocolate cake, I think um, you will not be disappointed with mine. It's, it's a really special recipe. Uh, But yeah, like I said, I mean, the newest stuff is always really exciting for me. And recently it's simple, but I made peanut whipped cream. I don't say peanut butter because I used the peanut powder And you can get that peanut powder. Yes, I'm an ambassador for this brand, but they don't pay me to say anything on the podcast. This is purely just because I love it. Um, I just don't want that to be confused at all and think like, oh, is this a commercial? No, it's not. It's really a fun ingredient because, you know, I love peanut butter and I have like for my whole life. And trying to put it in different recipes can be really frustrating sometimes. And I've made peanut butter whipped cream before, but with just a tablespoon or two, the texture starts to change unless you have a whole lot of whipping cream. I'm talking like maybe with a cup or less of whipping cream. If you put more than two or three tablespoons, the texture really starts to change. And I always feel like you can't quite get that powerful peanut punch that you want. Right. Whereas you can be very liberal with the peanut butter powder because it doesn't affect the texture in the same way. Cause all of the fat it's, it's basically just the fat that they remove the way they make peanut butter powder is they take the oil that they're going to use for making peanut oil. And then this is the leftover product. I didn't know that. That is peanut butter powder. And then of course, different companies, you know, preserve it or tweak it in different ways. But basically that's what peanut butter powder is. It's the leftover product from the sourcing of the peanut oil. So it's also reducing food waste if we figure out interesting ways to use this. Yeah. So I would really recommend this peanut whipped cream because it's just crazy good. It's very, I mean, it comes together. You just put everything in the bowl, whip it up and it's almost mousse-like because the powder thickens it some. It would be great to dip cookies in. It'd be great on ice cream. Somebody commented on Instagram and said on a waffle, and I love peanut butter and maple syrup together. So I thought I really want to put yeah. this on waffles with some maple syrup or something. Anyway, so that's a very, very fast recipe that 
I highly recommend for everyone to try. Oh, I'm trying it. I've got a container of peanut powder. I'm, I'm in. It'll take you 30 seconds and you'll be packing on the pounds shortly. <laughs> yeah, that was my brain was like, oh, Amanda, you've added an extra day at the gym for me. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not low calorie, but it is worth every calorie. So delicious. What are some of your favorite piping techniques? Oh, that's a fun question. Um, you know, I really love like the ones that have no rules where if I was going to be an abstract painter or if I was going to be a painter, I would definitely be an abstract painter. So I don't really love trying to make things look a certain way. Like I love a wild squiggle, just carefully placed. So if you think a lot of times I'll save the piping for the very end on a cake, I'll look at it and I'll just kind of look at the composition and I'll think, where are the holes? Like, where is the cake not as interesting? And I'll do a squiggle of frosting. And then from there, I'll just kind of do a few more squiggles to then balance that squiggle and also balance it for the eater. Cause I don't want there to be a sad slice where it's like, well, that side has all the delicious stuff and this side has nothing good. So I'll try to sneak in the flavors so that it makes sense. Um, so squiggle as profound as that sounds is one of my favorites. And then <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, by the way, it's not profound at all. <laughs> and then I love the classic rosettes. I just think they're so romantic and so pretty and so easy that they don't put anybody off. I don't really love skills yeah. that make people think like, oh, wow, I'm so awesome. Look at the super hard thing I did that no one else can do. I love things that look like I did this. It's beautiful. And you can do it too. And rosettes are definitely in that category. Um, the same. Oh, you know what I love? And I think you love this too, is the squiggle when you use a rose, like a petal tip, and you do this squiggle with the skinny end pointing up. I love it's that. so pastry chef. It's so like you see yeah. that on so many really high end pastries. And I love that it's one of those things like it's on a home baker's ruffle cake and it's on like a fancy, fancy pastry chef's milfoy or something, you know, like yeah. it's really cool to me. So that's one of my favorites. What are your favorite piping tips that you think everyone should have? Or what are your essentials for you? Um, okay, I don't know the numbers by heart, but I love a French star, which are the really jagged, kind of shortish, triangular tips that are spikes on the end of the tip. I like to have the largest one, and I like to have kind of a smaller one because you can do straight on little stars with those. They're great for the squiggle. Like I mentioned, they're great for the larger one is what I use when I make eclairs. So it's just a really useful tip. And, and also because the, the tines are so small, even if you wanted to use it to make the border, to make the dam on your cake, it's, you know, it's not so ridged that it's going to let any filling sneak out. So I think that's really useful. And then the Wilton 1M is what you need to do the rosettes. And I also think they make a really pretty shell border, a little more dramatic than the classic tip that most people would use for that. Uh, and then, I mean, you definitely need a round one just for, you know, here and there. Although I, I always want to say this and it sounds a little gross, but with the round one, you have to be really careful piping a spiral. It looks like poop a little bit. It just looks kind of like that poop emoji that we all see. So 
There's a little warning, you know, when you're piping with that round tip, I see a lot of cupcakes that I think, oh, I would really love that, except I'm thinking poop emoji now. So yeah, you definitely careful. Um, And then like I mentioned, the the petal tip, it basically if you look at the end of it, it looks like a teardrop. And that's great for the squiggle. It's great for piping roses. It's great for you could do if you had a turntable, you could do a really cool spiral with that. Um, I, I mean, I have like so many piping tips. That's one of the places that I'm not restrained at all, but those are the ones like I'm going to a deserted Island. That's what I need to take. I know people are going to be so happy to hear that answer. (laughs) Enjoy people. I'm sorry. I don't have the numbers memorized. I'm not a number person. Uh, what about you? I'm curious. I feel like in the same vein, but a little different. What's your favorite garnish because you're so creative with the way you finish things off i love your marzipan roses maybe those are yeah well yeah and again i'm making uh, teaching a swedish princess cake uh class soon so those i'm making those a lot right now but that those are so fun and they're easy they're easy you just roll out little balls and you can do this with fondant too but marzipan tastes way better people um Roll out little balls, flatten them into discs. And I do this between parchment paper. And then you take one of those discs and you kind of make a, you wrap it around itself to make a sort of spiral, I guess. Yeah. And then you start overlapping the rest of the petals around that. And before you know it, you have a rose and it's, oh, it's so much fun. So I love that. I love doing stuff with tempered chocolate and either acetate or a silpad or parchment paper. Um, you can, once you can, let's see, drag a comb through it. I love doing Ooh, that. Yeah. Drag the, so you temper chocolate, drag a comb through it, and then roll it up. And you can create all these cool, again, spirals. And you can cut them and use them as diff- in different ways. Um, what else? A caramel is super fun. Caramel, let's see, you can make caramel spirals. You can make spun spun sugar out of caramel. Um, what else? I think those are sort of my go-tos. I mean, fresh fruit is always, always beautiful. And meringue. I feel like you're so creative with meringues. Oh, yeah. You were the one who gave me the idea of putting the big shard on a cake that time I did that. And I've seen you do a lot of different, you know, small meringues, big meringue sales, like all sorts of interesting meringue situations yeah thank you for reminding me that those are so fun yeah if you want to do shards spread some meringue on a silpat you can even dust it with freeze-dried fruits or coconut bake it off and create your shards and stick, stick them in things they're super fun i love to play around with other pastry items other baked items and see if can you garnish things that way i mean like would be really fun too. I've been wanting to do is, and this is not, not super original, but decorating a, a cake with shoe buns or what, you know, really, really, I can't say the word religious lose. Yeah. I think that would be adorable on top of a cake in a fun way. Totally. So, totally. Yeah. All right. I love those ideas so much. And now I'm going to start copycatting you immediately. <laughs> 
<laughs> Feel free. I'll copy you back. <laughs> and that's interesting. That was one of the things I really loved in this um, season when Tammy was on. And I can't remember if she said it while we were recording. Tammy Hardiman, who was the food stylist, she was talking about how when you first start out or even later on in the process of learning a craft, you have to start somewhere. And a lot of times the best place to start is to imitate people that you admire. I just thought that was a really wonderful thing. And it popped in my head just now. So I'm like, let's remember that. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really important. And that's how you learn techniques for sure. For sure. And then you you learn how to make changes to make it your own. All right. So I have one more question for you. And then we're going to do our classic flower hour question. If you think we're ready for that, what do you think? Yeah. Okay. I'm curious. What do you think baking will be for you? Not so much what you're making, but it could be that, but what will it mean to you five years from now, which is not super far away. What I'm really learning from baking, and it really ties in to what we've been talking about this whole whole episode, is that it's really enabled me to connect with my artistic voice in a way, in a, in a, in a creative way that I feel like music wasn't able to. And However, during my musical studies, I really started to become interested in composition, writing my own music. Um, but being a classical musician, it's pretty daunting. You're surrounded by, and you're playing like, you know, masterpieces. I mean, that's all you play is masterpieces, right? And of course, I'm around composers and playing composers pieces. But I mean, they've been studying and they can play other instruments and they can do this and that and that. And then I was when I was at Juilliard, I was plugged in with this amazing group of composers that were into electronic and acoustic music and combining the two. And they really encouraged me to compose and they helped me kind of shut off that noise of comparing myself to everyone else. And I was able to write some music and it was incredibly satisfying. And there was a kind of moment in my musical career where I could have gone more in that path. And I chose to go more in an orchestral path. Anyway, my point is that when baking has really allowed me to connect with that sort of authentic um, artistic voice. And I think we really started touching on this for the first time on the podcast when we interviewed Talia Ho. Um, Anyway, I see myself in five years more in tune and and aligned with that voice because I think now I, I hit nerves where I'm like, this feels right. And and then others times where I'm still learning and I'm, and I'm copying other um, bakers and I'm trying out new techniques and I'm exploring what really resonates the most with me. So I think in five years, I think I'll have a clearer perspective and I'll be, be producing things that are really in line with, with my, my, I, it sounds kind of weird to say, but sort of true artist, artistic self. Um, and I'm really excited about that. And the funny thing is I think it's going to involve music in a way. Like music is going to be part of that journey. And um, I think some of you know that I compose the music for our podcast and sometimes I remix it. And I gives me so much joy to do that. And I want to create more music for media that involves um, our baking. Oh, I love this. It makes me so excited to see your, your baking future because... I I love where you are right now as a baker. And I just think it'll be really cool to see. I'll be curious to see what, what you feel like is your true like baking self. I think that's really, really (laughs) exciting. 
All right, I've got to flip the question. What about you? It's weird because, you know, I, like some of the questions you came up with, some I came up with and, and you can't help but think like, how am I going to answer this? And I really don't yeah. know um, in any kind of a hard way what it's going to be. I feel very confident I'll still be passionate in some way about baking. Um, and it'll probably still be a big part of how I spend my time. So I do feel like that. But it's it's been an interesting, like ever since being on the show, what has that been now? Like a year and a half? It's been it's been interesting for me because at first I felt a lot of obligation to do certain things and I just needed to explore a lot. And for me, I'm finding that what's most fulfilling is not necessarily financial or necessarily, um, I know I have zero desire to be famous, anything like that, but selfishly, I do care a lot about having cool experiences. And I think baking has given, it's given me a lot of things that I otherwise would not have gotten to experience. And I hope it'll keep doing that just for myself, like just go do random things. Um, but what I found is most fulfilling is when I feel like it's making a difference in some way, some small way. It's only been in small ways, but like the fundraising cakes that I've done, I feel so proud. Like it's when I feel the deepest connection and, and the deepest pride when I feel like I'm doing something that may make a difference. So I really hope I can figure out a way for baking to be impactful in some kind of a charitable way. And I don't know if that means, you know, continuing to do the cake business and then giving a certain amount back, or if it means doing a certain number of cake giveaways, or if it means baking for people who need it. I, I really don't know how it looks, but I know for me, that's where it holds the most meaning. So I'm really trying to seek seek that out. And I hope in five years I go, I found this great way and it's really making a difference. So that's kind of my thought for five years from now. Oh, I love that. It's so meaningful and special. And I love that it's so outward looking and so so generous of spirit and of, of um, energy. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So that's what I hope. And then you knew, you knew it was coming. I hope you prepped for this question, sir. <laughs> if you did it, what have you been doing all season? No, no pressure. Um, so do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Jeremiah, if you could bake for anyone dead or alive, who would you bake for and what would you bake for them? Oh, I forgot about what I would bake for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's okay. It's, I'm kind of good. It's so funny. My mom and I were talking about this question before we did the Mother's Day episode and her and I like almost in sync synchronicity or in sync said the same answer. Um, I would bake for my Portuguese great grandparents who came from um, the Azores and I would bake for them probably the sponge cake I talked about earlier. Um, it's not something that they probably made there or even even maybe even had, but I think it's so special. Um, but I think mostly that to be able to connect with them, they are sort of my direct closest link to my heritage and those islands. Um, and I, I dream about them and think about that connection and how like it's sort of unexplainable that I feel this like 
I don't know, invisible cord tying me to these islands in the middle of the Atlantic. And I feel so inspired by the food history and heritage that just to be with them and experience it in this, in that way would be, would be so special. Oh, it sounds wonderful. A very thoughtful and sweet answer. And I love that it's so similar to your mom's. I think that's really cool. You guys could all mm-hmm. do it together. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. So Amanda, if you could bake for anyone here or past, what would you bake and who would you bake for? Okay. So I feel like a lot of our guests were like, well, can I cheat? Can I change it this way? And I'm totally going to do that too. And if you want to cheat after I cheat, you're allowed. Um, (laughs) I have two answers. One is very personal and the same as yours. I would love to bake for my mom's mom, my grandma. She's passed and she was such a force of fun in my life when I was a little girl, when I was really little And then she moved away and we kind of not fully lost touch, but we just weren't as close. And I always missed that. And then when she passed away, I just, I felt so sad because I just felt like, you know, you kind of, when somebody's alive, you always think maybe we'll rekindle this, you know, close relationship. And we never really did. And I would love to just show her something that I think I can do really well. I think she would feel really proud and, I think we would laugh like super hard while we were eating whatever I made. And I'd probably make cookies for her because I remember making cookies with her and she was wild. She was just like, you can make it whatever you want. She would just start grabbing things. Do you like raisins? Well, then let's put that in there, you know, like just really crazy. So I think that would be really cool to bake for her. And then, like I said, I'm cheating because then I wanted one famous person too. I'm like, well, that's really tender and sweet, but I got to meet somebody new too. Um, And the people that came to my head were like Elvis. I feel like he ate really delicious things like junk food. And so he'd probably appreciate dessert. And then I thought Andy Warhol, because I know he was like a candy a holic and I read somewhere he could eat an entire birthday cake in one sitting. Uh, so it's like, I should bake for him. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Georgia O'Keefe. Once I thought of her, Ooh. I was like, it has to be Georgia O'Keefe. I feel sounds weird to say, but I feel really connected to her. She's a Scorpio like me. She, it, you know, from a distance is like my art mother. That's just kind of in my mind, how I, I think of her, her, creativity really inspires me or love for the Southwest. Um, I don't know. She's just really powerful. And so then like, you know, I thought about playing it cool. Like I knew what I'm about to say before this, but I didn't, I just Googled her and thought, I wonder what her favorite foods were so I could figure it out. And do you know what? She was really into um, slow food, like way before her time, she was really into the slow food movement before it was a movement. She cared about organic. She cared about raw. And so I, I've been knocking around in my head, the idea of making some kind of a chocolate mousse, but using cacao because it's raw. I thought it would be really cool to make like chocolate mousse, but with cacao for her. And she made her own yogurt. I read that too, when I was snooping around. And I thought some kind of like a yogurt whipped cream topping, I think would be really cool. I like to use some of her yogurt. So there you go. Those are my two. That's what I would do. 
do you want a famous person now since I broke the rules? <laughs> oh, you totally inspired me. Gosh, that that's that's really fun to pick a sentimental and uh, more famous option. Um, let's see. Yeah, let's, I didn't uh, let you prep. I, I mean, I kind of sprung this on you. So, <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's fun. I guess I'm going to out myself as you know a '90s alternative kid. Um, but I have always been a huge fan of Tori Amos. Um, and the more you study her and read about her and whatever, she's, she really combines like the sacred and the sensual and, and she talks about food in that way. So I would love to bake something like that for her. And I think it would definitely have to be chocolate. And one of my favorite flavor, one of my favorite flavor combos I came up for the show was, and I alluded to it earlier was, um, was a chocolate pavlova with an olive oil flavored whipped cream, candied kumquats, smoked sea salt, and um, fresh basil. You're talking dirty. That sounds so good. (laughs) I feel like she would get that. I feel like she's really into like intensity and um, big, strong contrasts and sharpness and softness. And I think those flavor profiles, I think she would appreciate. And it'd be fun. It's a conversation, right? You know, that really astringent um kumquats next to salt and the herbaceous basil and then the richness of olive oil yeah i think she would get it wow i get it i want to i want to have that that sounds amazing so i can be your person that you can bake for if you want to oh (laughs) come eat that yes well i mean i kind of do bake for you all the time in my mind One day we'll be close enough and we'll uh, actually get to bake for each other again. But, oh, I love those answers so much. Me too. That means that we're going to have to go to the gym together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like uh, Jink mentioned, the long walks. I need my like three or four hour walks and then I'll eat some more of your kumquat fantasy. So... Uh, so I want to talk about, since this is the last episode, some of the lovely, amazing people that took time out to talk with us. Should we do a little recap, like a rundown? (laughs) And can we share some of the inside stories of how these episodes came about? I think we must. No secrets here. Okay. Episode one. What? Oh, it's so excited. Were you like full of nerves? and I was like, really was nervous. Time? It's weird because we talk to each other on the phone a lot. And then suddenly it's like you hit record and it's like, oh, God, like I'm feeling the nerves. It was weird. Yeah. And I won't lie. I was I was um, I'd had a, quite a few glasses of wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Did I know that? I don't know if I remember knowing that. Um, I think that's when we were recording at night. And I think usually you and I both had wine. That was part of the contract. We both were like, we're, we're going to have a glass of wine while we do this. Oh, yeah. And I, I just had, I think I was preparing for a big event and I was stressed and I was like, I just need to kind of calm down and get into a more festive mood. Oh yeah. Cause it was also um, in December. So it was very like yeah. cold and holiday and such a different time. Okay. So we had Nick on, right? Our first guest. Oh, do you want to tell everyone what happened with poor Nick? (laughs) So Nick, yeah, I'll tell them. Nick was our first guest. He was on season three of the Great American Baking Show. And it was our plan. We should also say that, you know, it was our plan to start out flour.
Power Hour, we were going to do all of our first episodes recapping the Great American Baking Show. So he was our first guest because he was eliminated from the show. And so we were going to talk to him. We had a great conversation. I feel like for first episode, it went really well. Didn't you? I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're like oh, yeah. killing it. We did our research. We had all our questions ready. He was very generous and fun. I was like, oh, thank goodness. We have this lovely guest. It was awesome. We finished and then we lost it all. Nick closed oh. his uh, window and if we close them, on our computers because we, you know, record through the internet because we're not all in the same place. If you close them before the track uploads, which we didn't tell him to keep it open. So it's not like, you know, he was being crazy or anything. We didn't warn him because we didn't really know he closed it. And so we lost the whole episode and we had to start all over. (laughs) And he was so kind about it. He was like, you know, yeah, I have time. I can do it again. He was so nice. So nice. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So Nick actually recorded two episodes of flower hour and there's one that's forever lost. And it was really weird trying to re-record it. I don't know about you, but I had so much deja vu. Cause it's like, well, we just said this, but yeah. did we say this? And then I was having trouble remembering, did we ask this question the second time or was it just the first time is so confusing, but we haven't done it since and knock on wood, we never do again. So. Yeah. There's a learning curve people. Like, and that was a big one. <laughs> right out of the gate so episode two we continue and we interviewed Antoinette from the the Great American Baking Show and that was really lovely to talk about southern baking traditions and family stories let me pause you because episode two is Father Kyle right Yes. yes So episode two was a lot of fun. We got to interview Father Kyle from the Great American Baking Show. And what a great time. He was so lovely. He, I mean, you you know, we're always interviewing people and he would always turn it around and he'd ask us some questions. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet of him. Oh, that's really true. And and we were both so new at it too. It was kind of like, it was, it was strange because I'm going, are we supposed to be a big part of this conversation? I wasn't sure like if we should stay out of it. And he really kind of, I think his interview taught me a lot about if the guest is asking us, like, just be prepared. We may have to answer questions too, or if they're not kind of let it be their time to tell their story. And cause he was the, like, he, he flipped it on us. We were like, Oh, he wants us to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it was fun. Oh, well, that was a great, a great moment. And then season or season episode three was all about holiday baking. So at that point, the great American baking show, they had pulled the rest of the season. So we had to kind of scramble and go, where do we go from here? Do we stick with the great American baking show or do we just move on to somebody else now? And we felt like there was no one person that could be the for sure right answer until we thought of Antoinette because she had been on our season and they brought her back for season three. She had a very unique story to tell and the perfect person I felt like to talk to for a holiday baking episode because she bakes with such heart and such love. And that conversation just exuded it. Didn't you think Jeremiah? Yeah, it was really heartwarming and she's from the South and to hear all those traditions and her family and all the things she's up to is it was really special and exactly what you want to talk about that time of year during the holidays. So episode four brings us to new year's and our 
first talk with Southern Fatty. And I say first because we're going to have him back on. We just love, we love <laughs> Philip. Mr. Mister Southern Fatty. Mr. Fatty. <laughs> <laughs> so we adore him and we had the best time talking about all his many talents and his amazing blog and all his gorgeous, delicious recipes. Yeah, he's a total renaissance man. Like I knew he was funny and a skilled baker just from following him on Instagram and his blog. But the more we talked to him, it's like, this is just a really talented, dynamic person. It was fun to see him in in a whole new way, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. And then episode five was with Selassie from the Great British Bake Off. And like side note podcasting, I feel like we learned with him to tell people if they're using Bluetooth to stay near their computer. Because there was a lot of like times where he was talking, he'd be saying something really good and then he would fade out. And so it's just one of those like behind the scenes podcasting things where you're like, uh, what's going on? Like we, we weren't necessarily prepared for that because we'd never encountered it before. Yeah. A lot of technical details that we now know we need to communicate to our guests so that we can give you all the best listening experience. So and we're still learning Always. that as you'll, as you'll hear. <laughs> Always learning. But he was awesome and so generous. And so um, it was cool because you see people on TV or, or the same like with Southern Fatty, like where I said you follow them and you think they're a certain kind of person. And then to be able to talk to them and go, he's the real deal. He's genuine. He's kind. He's laid back. And and just such a real person that's so passionate about baking. Which, by the way, a little update. Did you guys know he's in pastry school now? Did you know that? Yeah, I love watching his videos. He's like in Switzerland, yeah. right? Making high-end patisserie-style stuff. And he's always like snuck a camera in there somewhere, <laughs> somehow. And he's he's just being him in the most proper, formal, technical environment. It's it's fun it's to watch. It's really fun to watch. I love that you said he snuck the camera in because I think I think he must because it looks very like spy photo-y, which is makes it even more appealing. I love it. So we'll have to catch up with him too. I feel like we need to find out like when he finishes that process. I would love to talk to him again and and see how it's changed his baking and get his tips while they're fresh in his mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, episode six brings us to gluten-free baking with Sally. And this is still an episode I hear people talking about in the comments. And everyone loves hearing about this type of baking and knowing the secrets and the insides and outs. And we had a great time with her. Yeah, Sally was great. Such a great, knowledgeable person, very knowledgeable person about gluten-free baking. And she made it very approachable, which I appreciated. I thought that was cool because she could have made it seem intimidating or like, you know, you're never going to get this unless you spend your whole life. But she was really cool about what mixes we could buy or how to change recipes, yeah. which was awesome. And then episode seven, we had another Great American Baking Show alum. Steph came on and shared all sorts of great pie knowledge, which just the word pie, it just sounds so delicious. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It just makes me start thinking of butter and flour and getting your hands in there. And she gives, yeah, she gives us all of her best tips. Episode eight interview with Zoe Francois. And this is such a good episode. And if you don't know Zoe's history, like how she grew up, oh, what a fun story. 
And then she's done so many cool things. Um, I just got to tease you. You've got to, if you don't know, you've got to listen to that episode. And of course, she's just a natural teacher and she teaches us some of her um, best techniques and recipes and tips. Yeah, I agree about her being a great teacher. She's super skilled at taking things that are technical and just laying it out in a really straightforward way, whether it's her Instagram stories or on that episode. I feel like she makes things very approachable and achievable, very skilled in that way. Uh, what's next? Let's see. Episode nine. We're just clicking through. I'm so, I'm so proud. So many wonderful conversations. Okay. Episode nine was with Maria Lawton, AKA Azorian Greenbean, which I know she's near and dear to your heart, Jeremiah. And she was before this, but now she definitely snuck her way into my heart too, with her stories, just so personal and, I felt like she really invited us into her family during that episode. And this was a very different episode for us because until this one, everything had been really focused on the practicality of baking, really user-friendly tips, and um, everything really revolved around baking as an act. And all of a sudden, we really had an uh, an episode focused around food story and history And it was, we didn't plan on it. It just happened. And we're so thankful it did because it just opened our whole horizons on the, on the, on flower hour of what we could bring to, to all of you. You're so right. I feel like in some ways, unintentionally, she shifted the season a little bit, like the vibe of, you know, it continued to be technical, but she added a whole layer of heart that. I see it like weaving through the rest of the season. And I think it'll probably be something we continue in season two. Not probably. We will. We definitely will. Oh, yeah, definitely. So episode 10 was our interview with Callie Marie of Callie Marie Bakes. And she is just, just a lovely, vibrant, creative soul. And I loved all of her energy and the way she approaches baking and she introduced us to some Southern bakes that I, and cultural bakes I'd never heard of, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And one of the questions I get the most from the season as people go and listen through is about how she drips cakes and wanting to know that recipe. And it's, I mean, super straightforward. She shared it right on the episode, which was really cool. And just, she has this very youthful, casual way of making beautiful cakes. So that was a great cake episode too, I feel like. Um, and then episode 11 was with Tammy Hardiman. I mentioned her a little bit ago. She was a great, very different person to talk to because she's a food stylist, not as much of a baking focused person, but she was so interesting. I feel like from the perspective of having a craft and how you hone it, she gave a lot of great advice on when you like something, figuring out how to do it and how there's no shortcuts and it takes a lot of practice. And she shared her inspirations. And I left that episode feeling very thoughtful. Like I was in my head a lot in a very positive way. I think it caused me to challenge some of my approaches and and caused me to grow. It was great. And I think this is when the theme of creativity and artistry and artistic voice really started to blossom on the season. Um, And also, this is the episode I recommend to all types of people who come to me and they're like, oh, I want to improve my Instagram game. I want to improve this about my social media presence. And I'm like, 
go listen to this episode. It's not a, we don't talk that much about baking. We really talk about all these things that are really practical and helpful for what you're trying to to achieve. Yeah, a lot of good tips to share your baking for sure. So episode 12 brings us to Andrew, another alum from the Great British Bake Off. Um, our our um, What's his name of his show? Baconeering. Baconeering <laughs> expert. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was starstruck with him. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. And then hearing about him baking for Prince William, you're like, oh, wow. Even more starstruck. Yeah. His episode I loved because I felt like I learned so much from him and his approach to baking is so different from mine. But definitely, like, I had a tough time even finding my words to talk to him just because he was so smart that I just didn't want him to stop. I'm like, just just tell us everything, Andrew. I just wanted to learn from him so much. Such a, a brilliant brain. And then the next episode, episode 13, was with Talia Ho of Butter and Brioche, which I just treasure her so much. I did before the episode. I continue to treasure her and what she brings to the world and her unique way. And you made special music for that episode. I remember that. Yeah, I was so inspired by this episode and by her. Again, it was really a focus on artistry and artistic voice. And I mean, just when you visit her blog or her Instagram page, you are immersed in a very world. I think she describes it with a touch of melancholy and dappled light. And I was like, oh, I've got to write music for this. And um, yeah, you'll hear that in the beginning and it's actually our, our flower hour theme, but I really reworked it really a lot. So, I mean, you might not even catch it all, um, um, in a very, um, it's, it's kind of subdued, but with harps and celesta and flutes and birds chirping, it's, it was a lot of fun. And she just gives you a real beautiful window into her life and, um, magical. Yeah, I think great. we said magical yeah. like a hundred times in that episode, but it's yeah. just, it was it was the word that suited it. So, <laughs> yeah. And then episode 14 was a really, really fun interview with Brian Hart Hoffman, the editor of Bake from Scratch magazine. And he tells some amazing stories about his life and his childhood that I still giggle when I think about them. The king of boomerang. You got to love <laughs> me, H.H. If you don't follow him on Instagram, you don't know what I'm talking about. But he does a lot of really fun boomerangs with all sorts of baking personalities. So it's kind of fun to see these people letting loose a little bit, I would say. And yeah, he's, he's such a, we hear this word a lot in the world now, but an influencer, he's, he's got a major influence in the world of baking. So it's fun to kind of hear it from someone who's got such a large voice and can influence this magazine that kind of steers the course of baking sometimes. So it's a really honor to get to talk to him. And then episode 15 was with Jen of Pastry with Jen, which I thought was really cool because we we did kind of go through that phase. I felt like where we had several episodes where it was very like high level thinking, thinking about your voice yep. and your intention. And then Jen kind of brought us back to the technical, which was really refreshing yeah. at that point because we talked a lot about ice cream and we talked about her ruffled milk pie and just very detailed conversation about baking. Like if you're a, a baking person, that's a great episode. Just so much technical chit chat. I could eat it up. <laughs> 
Oh, and she gives you really great bakeries that you must visit in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, because she's the person who, who the first time I ever heard somebody say pastry crawl, like you always think about like a, a bar crawl. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I really want to do a pastry crawl. I think about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, okay, so s- episode 16 was with Kate, who is the winner of Zumba's Just Desserts. And this one was interesting backstory in that it's this we recorded this during um, the time change. And what's funny is that like daylight savings or whatever it's called happens at different times at different times in the world. And so she's in Australia and we had had the time change, but she hadn't. And I didn't realize it until the day before, no, the morning of. And we were like signing on. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> we're, we're an hour too early. And I had a hard deadline. Like I had to stop the episode at a certain time. I had an appointment. And so we had less time than we would have. And I was so disappointed because that show is so much fun. And she was ready to, as they say now, spill the tea and like give all the insider stuff. And listen. Thank God she talks fast because she packed in so much information. If you're into that show, you've got to give that episode. Yeah, she did a great job, even though we were short on time. I I think she's really cool because she's a straight shooter. So that's awesome. Like she cut straight to the chase and she was the perfect guest. If we were going to have a short time, like she was able to handle that additional challenge, I think. Um, Episode 17 you know, I love the cake episodes. Anybody who's a cake specialist. So we had Brigitte of Craft Cakes Charlotte, and she makes the most gorgeous vegan cakes. So it was also a little bit of a vegan baking episode. And she shared also a lot of great technical details, but she approaches it from a place of artistry. So she kind of hit all the notes, I felt like. Um, just very generous. I, that's the theme I see too, is like every guest I'm going, Oh, they're so generous. They're so lovely. So, um, that's a really great cake episode for anybody who loves cake. You'll learn a lot too about coloring your icing and dealing with vegan cake batters and, Oh, just such lovely practical tips. Episode 18 interview with Ginger Han of Ginger, Ginger Elizabeth Chocolates. And she is definitely close to my heart. Um, she's a Sacramento native. And so that morning we were getting ready to talk to her where we, you know, we set our time to start and she wasn't signing on. And I was like kind of freaking out because I'm like a big fan, like, I, I mean, total fan. So I'm a really intimidated and nervous. And then she writes me and she's like, I've been waiting for you guys. And so what had happened was I sent her the link and somehow the link, I don't even know how, metamorphosized into some other link. And she was at a, in a different window <laughs> waiting for us. So I had to FaceTime with her to like troubleshoot the whole issue. And like, it's like, I mean, she's, I look up to her so much. So to have that kind of like thing going on where it's it's not working and I have to figure it out and I'm fan fanboying out like it was stressful but we worked it out and she was also incredibly generous tons of tips on tempering chocolate and a window into having like a really successful um, chocolate pastry business. I really hope I get to go to one of her events with you I feel like that's something she does in a really special way like the chocolate for breakfast or I don't know just some fun event sometime because they just look so I don't know, like uh, very unique and, of course, extremely delicious. 
Yes. Okay. And then after Ginger was episode 19 with Ed Kember. I love saying this, the OG of the Great British Bake Off. He was the first <laughs> winner. And it was really cool because so many people we talked to that have been on shows, whether it was Kate from Zumbos or anyone from the Great American Baking Show or British Bake Off, it's all been very recent, like within the last year or so. And he's had a little more time to reflect and for his career to grow and for his baking experiences to really pile up. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff and he shared so much of it with us. And then also, I think because he's had some distance from the show, it's probably easier for him to share some of the like behind the scenes stuff. He talked about auditioning with Mary and and what that was like and I, I thought it was a really cool kind of sneak peek into or behind the scenes peek into the Great British Bake Off that I've never really heard before or read anywhere. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty VIP access. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 20 brings us to Jessie Sheehan, and she has a new book out called The Vintage Baker, and I can't wait to get my Oops. hands on it. <laughs> hey, speaking of people, so we during her episode, there was this feedback issue, which we've never had before, and I was struggling to figure it out, which I actually did in the, in the middle of the episode. But what's what's funny is that like you'll hear little actual feedback peeps, like yeah. peeps going on through the episode until we figure it <laughs> and out. If you don't know, peeps is kind of Jessie's word. She uses it a ton in her Instagram stories. It's just almost like her signature way of addressing people. So it's really hilarious that we had actual peeping sounds <laughs> while we're talking to her. It was not planned. I promise. Uh, and then the next one was episode 21. We're getting close to the end here, man. It was with oh Nicole God. of crumbles by Nicole, also a great American baking show alum, but it's been a couple of years for her. And she has since gone on to start her own bakery, which was really interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of people, I don't know about you, but definitely I had a lot of people asking me and and you almost feel like it's expected when you finish the show. Like now, what are you going to do? Are you going to write a book? Are you going to start a bakery? What are you going to do? And, and there's so many different paths. It takes some time to figure it out. And she continued teaching and then eventually started a bakery and then the bakery grew and now she full-time does the bakery. So it's really cool to kind of hear her personal journey and, and baking going from hobby to full-time occupation. And you'll get some great royal icing tips. Oh, yeah, because she's a she's a cookie maven. Yeah. So episode 22 is really close to our hearts. It's our Mother's Day episode, and we interview both of our moms. The four of us have a great conversation recounting childhood memories, retro cake decorating. Um, it was such a special, special, special conversation. And I think you may have mentioned it on social media, but not on the actual podcast about the music. Can you tell everyone about the music for that one? It was special too. Oh yeah. So my mom is a singer, like she sings for her church and I've always loved her voice. So I've sampled it and I took one of those samples and I just replaced all of the sounds in our normal podcast thing with the sample of her voice. So it, it, it's pretty crazy and out there, but it's cool that it's um, it's my mom saying, singing the word you. Which I think is really special. Oh, I didn't know it was the word you. That's really sweet. 
<laughs> okay, so the last episode where we had a guest that was not, you know, one of us was the most recent <laughs> episode. It was with the Artful Baker author. Um, this cookbook is so beautiful. And it was with Jank. He was so generous and gave us a very, I want to say, honest and heartfelt peek at what it takes to make a book such as this. Because it's easy just to say, oh, this is a beautiful cookbook and enjoy it and not always think about the process that's involved with making it. But he really poured himself into every detail of this book in a way like I've never heard before from any author. Um, and, and I think the result is really special, extremely personal. And I know a lot of people have bought cookbooks because of the podcast. And I think that's great. And I definitely hope this is one of the ones you check out. Yeah, it was a really, I, I love spending time with him. Well, we also need to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners for being on this journey with us. I mean, we could, we're doing this for you and well, obviously for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of love it. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny because when we first started, I think there's this fear with anything you do, but it's like, what if nobody cares? Like, what if we make the podcast and nobody listens? But you guys have been so kind with your comments, giving us questions to ask and encouraging things. You said the most wonderfully encouraging things on all the social media platforms and followed along and reviewed. If you're, if you're listening right now and you haven't reviewed us yet, please if you feel like you're going to hit five stars, swing on by on iTunes and review us. But you guys have just been amazing. I mean, truly amazing. And as much as we love it, at some point, we'd just switch and do phone calls if nobody was listening. So it's it wouldn't be without you. And I know this is the end of the season, but we'll be back. And this summer, I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be baking something from each of our guests and posting about it. That's something um, you've been really great at doing. And I'm excited to be able to take some time and do that this summer. Um, but we will be back in the fall and we've got a lot of exciting things planned. It's not going to be just the same sort of format as you're used to. There's going to be some surprises. Yeah. Can we tell them a couple of things we're knocking around? We don't have anything set in stone. We're not trying to be like shady or coded or anything, but as they evolve, we'll share on social media, but we want to get out there and meet you guys. We want to do a flower hour tour. We'd like to have some events where we do uh, live episodes and we have possibly guests there to interact with the audience. We want to go to different cities. We want to maybe do some teaching. Like I said, we're still hammering out the details, but fun, exciting, baking-centric stuff that will be very, very... I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Dy dynamic and engaging. Boom! Dynamic and engaging. Absolutely. Well, Amanda, I, I hate to say goodbye. <laughs> I mean, I know you and I will talk in five minutes, but I guess this it's a it's been a really 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 special journey and um, a total dream come true. I think I've said this before, but it's so easy to say to friends, um, "Hey, let's do something. Let's do something. Let's do a project together. Let's let's try to sell something. Let's be let's 
let's go into business together. I don't know. Like that, those conversations come up between people all the time. But the fact that you and I took that next step and made it a reality is very special to me. Um, I am so proud of what we've done and so proud to have you as my co-host and that we're in this together. So, um, I could not be more thankful for you. I tell people all the time. I don't think there's anybody else that I could ever do this with. And it's just been awesome at every turn. And it's not like we haven't had things that we've had to figure out together, or maybe we came at things from different angles. And I feel like I, I just, I love the way we communicate. It means the world to me. So I mean, I hope I was also thinking this when I said, what is baking five years from now? I'm like, I really hope it includes flower hour. I want to be doing this. We'll still be blabbing about what's going on and having these conversations. Cause I mean, it, it's a true gift. It's one of my favorite things that I get to do each week. Me too. Me too. The, to be able to collaborate with you is, is, is magic. On that note, we have to, we have to hit end eventually. We could just filibuster. Let's just go all the way through summer and (laughs) uh, do like a 24 hour day flower hour. Who's, who's down? (laughs) We'll see you all in season two. Be sure to subscribe to Flower Hour on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying your time with us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. 